for this time to come together to worship you. I thank you, Father, that as we're here today, I thank you that our ears are anointed to hear your word, Father, like never before. Our eyes see things that we've never seen. And I thank you, Father, that our hearts today are good ground, that your word goes into that good ground like a seed. And Father, you cause it to bring a harvest in our lives as we meditate it, as we speak it, Father, and we, as we live it. We thank you, Father, that all good things are from you. And we thank you that Jesus came, died on the cross, and rose again for us so that we could follow in his footsteps, die to self, pick up our cross, follow him, and live with you. We thank you for it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. God is good. It's great to see you. Great to have you around. All the people over there next door who were in Blaze and the overflow thing. How's it going? Good to see you too. So uh, last time, I guess, apparently my microphone was really loud when I sang. So I said, hey, turn that down over there. Because that's, that's one thing they don't want to hear. That's, they all apparently left over there, whatever they did. If you're visiting or a guest or haven't been here for a while or haven't been following along with our, our Easter series, our Easter series has been titled Experience Victory. And we have a commercial that goes, it's out there, you may see that along the way too. But, but really the experience victory thing was just a word that God gave me. And he gave me three words for three messages that went with it. And the first one was losing, the second one was contending, and then this week we get to talk about winning. That is the most important part of the whole process for us in this life is that Jesus gave his and that he contended for the victory and that then when he rose again, he gave us that victorious life for us to live in this earth. I want you to remember and realize and understand before you go that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He is He is His only begotten Son who died on the cross for you and for me, that there's no other way for us to get to heaven except through Him and the blood that He shed on Calvary. I want you to go away today knowing and understanding that you're victorious that he has given you life and he has given you life more abundantly as it says in John 10, 10, 10, John 10, 10, 10, 10. How many, how many tens there are? There's two. But in that, that abundant life that he's given you is the victory that he's placed on the inside of you to overcome any situation and anything that you face. We talked in Matthew chapter 16 in the first week about losing and how important it was as Jesus began to describe to the disciples what was about to happen at Calvary, how this or how his life on this earth was going to end. He said, listen, fellas, I'm going to die. They didn't like that. They didn't understand the concept that said, I could lose something and yet gain. And so he began to tell them that in our lives in this earth, we're going to have to deny ourselves. We're going to have to pick up our cross, he said, and follow him. And he went on and he told the disciples this, and this was our first scripture from the first week. If any man wants to find his life, to go after his life in this earth, he'll lose it. But if any man would care to lose his life for my sake, he will find it. And it was the idea that said, I could give up who I am. I could lose my life and gain his. That there's an opportunity to lose who I am, but win all that he has. And then the next week, last week, we talked about contending and fighting. Because in this life, you are going to come up against stuff that does not line up with what you think, what you believe, what the Word says. The enemy's going to come against you. The beginning of John 10, 10, and 10, 10, 10, 10, however many there are. At the beginning of John 10, 10, it says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. He is fighting against you every step of the way. But realize and understand the victory has been won. He is not on the cross. He is not in the tomb. He has arisen to the right hand of the Father, and He has given us all the power, dominion, and authority and the keys to death, hell, and the grave. We have them in this earth. So continue to fight. 
We said in Mark eleven twenty two, four words Jesus told the disciples, have faith in God. Four short little words, have faith in God, and we've been trying to live them forever. If you've been saved for a while, that's, I mean, that's, our, that's our purpose, to love God, of course, but to live by faith. He told Timothy, Paul did in 1 Timothy, that he's supposed to fight the good fight of faith. So if we're supposed to have faith in God, we're going to have to fight. He told Timothy, in your life, as you mature and grow in who, I've, who God's created you to be, you're going to have to fight by faith. And then in Jude chapter 3, it said that we're going to have to contend against all comers, contend for the faith, that there's a fighting that goes on. But let me encourage you again, Jesus is the Son of God. He is alive and well at the right hand of the Father, and He has won the victory. But He paid a price. He gave His life. He took everything the devil had. He took all your sin, all your mistakes. He took all of your junk. He took all of your pride. He took all of your sorrow. He took all of your, your sickness. He took all of the disease. He took all of that upon himself and was forsaken by God, his Father. The first words on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you separated yourself from me? He did that so that you and I would never have to feel that separation again that you and I could be with him. Because then when Jesus rose again and before he ascended to the right hand of the Father, he told the disciples, I will be with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Why could he say that? Because he had already taken every shot and everything that the enemy had so that we could have the victory that he was to attain. I got a little video here I want to show you. You'll know most of this. Some of you guys are a little young, so you might not remember it. This is before HD, so give it a break. But uh, this is him maybe maybe winning the, winning the prize. In this whole thing, you've got to realize as he goes through this, this last round, he has to take every shot and every punch that the enemy has. In this particular movie, you see this, and as it progresses, it talks about the fact that he's wearing him out. In our life, that depression that you faced for 10 years, he took a punch for that. He took a smack for that. He took a whipping for that. He took a beating for that. Why? So you didn't have to. He didn't leave anything. He didn't leave anything. He took, he took it all. Every bit and every piece that the enemy brought to him, he took so that you and I wouldn't have to. And I know sometimes that sounds like that... Uh, that's impossible the stuff i'm going through how could he have really how could he have really taken care of that how could he have really dealt with that it says that he took upon him sin all of sin for all of mankind for all of time that weight and as we follow this guy for the rest of the way here he takes a he takes an absolute beating now i know it's rocky so you got to give it a little bit of a stretch but realize he is taking every single shot and every single piece because he doesn't want you to. Amen? Let's see. You know, as he hung there on that cross, it was that thing that said, he said, he said, the whole world is watching. Bring it on. Bring it on. He, my mama hits harder than that. I don't know if Jesus would have said that. But it was, <laughs> it, it was that idea and that thought that said he, he was hanging on the cross. The whole world thought that it was over. The, the, the devil, the enemy, had thought he was on the way to winning. He thought he had him down where he wanted him with his foot on his neck and getting ready to finish it once and for all. This was, the, for the enemy, this was going to be his crowning moment that he left heaven, remember, because he was prideful and he wanted the worship that was given to God. And in this moment, he was believing and he was thinking he is going to gain the adoration for all time because he 
is about to destroy the one thing that could, could change that. The one thing that could turn the tables was Jesus Christ and shedding his blood. He thought he had him and he thought it was over. But there came a moment somewhere along the line as he's hanging on that cross, they're stabbing him in the side. All of these things are happening and he is dying for your transgressions and mine. There comes a point somewhere there in the spirit where things change. Where all of a sudden, the tables are turned. Where all of a sudden, victory doesn't look like it's going to fall in the hands of the enemy. But it looks like that Jesus is going to come out victorious. That all of a sudden, he's going to come out on top. And we watch the end of this thing, hopefully here in just a second, and see that that he does. Well, we all know that. We've watched Rocky before. He he wins over and over again. But uh, for this one... He goes from being on the cross to being the grave and the tomb for three days to the stone being rolled away and to him being victorious and winning the fight. See, we said in the beginning there was a losing. There was a planting his life as a seed. There was a giving. It says God gave his son. Jesus gave his life. There was a losing of his life so that he could contend for the victory and then raise again and give it to us. The cross is that thing. It divides people. People don't understand the fact that the cross is empty, that Jesus isn't on it. People don't understand the fact that the the stone has been rolled away and he's not in the tomb anymore. In 1 Corinthians, in chapter 1, Paul is speaking and he's sharing and he talks about the fact that the cross isn't necessarily contentious, but it does divide. In 1 Corinthians 1.18, Paul said, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but... To us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The fact that you can win, you can look on that cross, and that cross, you know he's not there, he is not in the grave, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, I win. No matter what I face, I can wake up in the morning and know, I win. There are people who look at that cross and they don't understand that, they're perishing and they're going a different direction. But those of us who know Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Savior, we have won a victory, we have let go of our life, we have picked up his, and things are different for us. We see that as a victory, where the whole world might have seen the cross as a defeat. It was the greatest victory that could ever have been won because it set not only everybody that's come before us free, but it has set all of us free as well. Ephesians chapter 3, real quick in verse 20. As you go, sorry, verse 12, it says, Because of Christ and our faith in Him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. There was no chance, no way, for you to come into God's presence, for you to be part of his family. There was no way for you that we could not go into the temple, into the holiest of holies. In the Old Testament, man, there was, there was a guy who was anointed to do that. And in the New Testament, Jesus came to give us a new covenant. And in that new covenant, he gave us the ability to have relationship and to come into his presence. How did he do that? Through dying on the cross. That he died on the cross, he took the beating, he took the whooping and all the things. He died, he went in the grave, and he rose again. So that not only could we have the victory, but that we could come into his presence. And then as he came and sat at the right hand of the Father, he sent the Holy Spirit to be with us. Told his disciples that I can't be with you every single day, every single moment. But I'm going to send the one who can, the helper. And then in that, you're going to be empowered You're going to be empowered to be able to live the life that I have lived on this earth. Well, how do we do that? We speak the word that Jesus spoke and we live the way that Jesus lived. He said in his word that we would do great things, that we would do the miracles and the things that he did in this earth. It says we will do those and do greater. How does that happen? By the power of the anointing of the Holy Spirit and us speaking the word and us 
living the word. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that he has given us the victory. That not only has he sat down at the right hand of the Father, but then he gave that victory to you and to me. In verse 56 in the New Living Testament, it says, For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thanks be to God, because he gives us the victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you look in 1 John chapter 4, sorry, 1 John chapter 5, in the Message Bible it says, Every God-begotten person conquers the world's ways. The conquering power that brings the world to its knees is our faith. And listen to this, because this is important. This is the thing we need to know before we leave today. It says, the person who wins out over the world's ways is simply the one who believes Jesus is the Son of God. Do you believe that in your heart today? In Colossians 2.15, it says that Jesus, as he defeated the enemy, it says he disarmed him, and then it says he made a public spectacle of him. Basically a ridiculing publicly of what that was the enemy had thought listen i have i have finally killed him it is finally over only to know that he rose again and that he was seen by all these people and that he ascended to heaven in second corinthians chapter uh in second corinthians you can go there it's in chapter chapter two and it's verse 14 and it's a scripture that says something that i think is somewhat important as we go It says, but thanks be to God, for he has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphant procession. Now, at the end of 1 John chapter 5, we said that you have to know, you overcome in this world because you know that he is the Son of God. And then this victory that that he has won, he gives to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, right? He gives us that victory. Now, what does that victory do in our life? It changes who we are. But as you go in this particular passage, it says he has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphant procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. That everywhere you go, you're different. Everywhere you go, there is a scent of victory that's on you. And what he was talking about here, Paul, in those days when there would be a conquering, when there would be a winning of a war, they would come back through the town and there'd be a parade and all those things. And during that parade, they would be burning incense and all of that and there would be a smell and an aroma. And to the victors, that was great. There was that smell of victory as they came through. But the ones who didn't, the ones who were captives, the ones who were the losers, the ones who didn't win, as they were brought back through, that smell meant something different. And in your life, you want to know why the cross is so divisive. It's because the love of God's on the inside of you, the life of God's on the inside of you, and his victory's on the inside of you. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, that begins to diffuse from you. That it starts on the inside of you, and it comes from the inside out. And as it begins to manifest from the inside out, it, it, it causes issues for the enemy. You want to know why you're, 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 I had it better before I was saved. Have you ever said that? Like, I I had less problems before I started coming to church. I came to church and started getting more problems. Why? Because the life of God on the inside of you is now an issue. The enemy doesn't want you to have that victory. He doesn't want you to keep that life. And he sure doesn't want you to share it with somebody else. Be quiet. Die with potential. He doesn't care that you are the most gifted person in the world at what you're gifted at. What he doesn't want you to do is use the gifting. 
If he can keep you to hold that in and to be scared, to keep you to hold that in and and to be shy, to keep you to hold that in and say, that's not my personality. If he can keep you to hold the potential on the inside, all potential is, is energy that could happen if something else was done. And he loves potential and he loves procrastination. Procrastination is simply putting off till tomorrow what you could do today. He loves the fact that you wake up and you say, you know what, I'll share Jesus with somebody tomorrow. He loves the fact that we get up and we say, you know what, I was going to go to church today. I'll go next week. Great. You know, he makes you even feel good about the fact that you wanted to go to church today, but you're going to go next week. Why? Because next week won't ever come. It's that idea that says he wants us not just now to have this victory, but on the inside of it to begin to change who we are and then to have it transfer out from who we are. It says in Romans 12 too, that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds to the word transformed means that you completely change you go through a metamorphosis that that your thought process changes it changes who you are you now have if you have jesus alive on the inside of you you now have the dna of a winner on the inside of you i know it doesn't look like it i know you may be struggling i know you may face things that that it looks like it is the it is the, the the bottom of the ninth and you are about to be out that there is no chance for you. You came to church today thinking, I I don't know what God's going to do because I don't even know what's going to happen when I get home. Here's the deal. Miracles happen in the bottom of the ninth. Miracles happen in the last moment. A guy hits a home run in the first inning, it's not a big deal. A guy hits a home run at the end of the game, it's a big deal and it's a miracle. What's the difference? Timing. And in your life, Jesus died, of course, at the right time. In your life, He knows where you are. And we want God to show up in five minutes. Sometimes it's five days. But remember, the day you thought you couldn't make it another minute, you're still here. There was a day, there was something you went through, there was an experience that you thought, you know what, this is it. I can't make it another moment. And he came through for you in that time, or he didn't come through for you in that time. But here's the deal, you're still here. You didn't pass away. You didn't end. Sometimes we thought Thursday the 14th was the day, man. I can't do it if nothing else happens here. And it happened the next month that God came through out of left field when you thought it was going to be right field. Allow him to work victory in your life. Allow him to work in your situation the way that he wills to work. I know you face stuff. I know it seems like it's difficult. But I will tell you this. If you will, just simply say, God, I know you're the son of God. Jesus, I know you're the son of God. I know you died for me. I receive today your victory, and I want my life to be different. I am stumbling through this life. I am struggling in what you have called me to do, but I need your help, and I need your power to be operating in my life. That's a simple prayer, but I'm telling you, as you do that and contend, you go from losing to winning, that by faith, something changes. I've got a quick video to show you two again here in just a second, and I'll set it up in the end. I don't want to set it up in the beginning. Most of you who are older will know this. If you're younger, you won't have a clue. Tying run is at second base with two out. Now the Dodgers don't need the muscle of Gibson as much as a base hit. And on deck is the leadoff man, Steve Sachs.
that wasn't his cool home run trot. His name's Kirk Gibson, and in the games previous to that particular game, he had both of his legs busted up. He didn't play at all the rest of the World Series. He didn't even play that game. That was the only at-bat that he had. He was fighting a stomach virus. He was puking. He was in the training room. He wasn't even on the bench. Because I know sometimes we say, yeah, that's great, you know, but, but you're a pastor. Or, or, you know, you've been saved a long time. Or, hey, I'm telling you, this guy was a mess. He was a wreck. He couldn't even hardly walk. I remember that day, maybe you do, when they said that he was coming to the plate. I thought, he can't even walk. What's he doing? They didn't even know where to find him. When it was the last moment, the last inning, the last chance, and the last effort, they couldn't find him. He had hobbled himself down to the batting cage to try to take a couple swings. And then they called on his name, and up he came. I'm telling you, God can empower you to do things that you don't have any idea you could do. Now, I am not saying God was with Kirk Gibson and he threw that ball out of the, like the natural, hitting the light. I'm saying that God is with you and what you don't think you can do, you can do. But you got to change what you think. What you think is impossible, you got to change what you think. You have to begin to see the impossible possible. You have to change. Why, why, why do we have to do that? That's part of fighting by faith. That's part of the middle ground between losing and winning. There's a scripture, and I've read it a few times, and, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll read it again here in a minute. It's, it's in uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and it's verses 17 through 18. And it says, For but our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a, a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles that we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen for the things that we cannot be seen, they will, the things that we can see will be gone, but the things that we cannot see will be, will be lasting forever. There's a story in Luke, in chapter 7, and it's a story that, that doesn't get read very often. Nobody really talks about it a whole lot. But in your life, you, you, you may have this thought and this idea that that's great, but I am too far gone for this. I've done too many things. I've gone the wrong direction. This is impossible for me. If you believe, all things are possible to him who believes. That's what Jesus told a, told a gentleman whose son was possessed in Mark chapter 9. He said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And in this particular story in Luke, Jesus was walking into a village called Nain, and there was a large crowd that followed him, and a funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village. So this is like us driving down the road and, and here comes the funeral procession with the lights on and the flags, and we all pull over, and the funeral procession is coming by. The coach in the beginning that holds the casket, that holds the body, all the people coming after it. That's what Jesus was walking into the city. That's what he saw coming his way. Now, let me tell you, you are not too far gone for God to do something. But you must believe that the impossible is possible. You must believe first that he's the Son of God. But if you're going to live with this victory that he has won for you, you have to believe that those things that seem impossible are possible. It goes on and it says, The funeral procession that was coming toward him approached the gate, and a young man who, who had died, he was a widow's son. And a large crowd from the village was with her. And when the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. And he said, Don't cry. And then he walked over to the coffin, and he touched it. 
and the pallbearers who were carrying it stopped. Now for us today, that would be like when you pull over, you see it coming, you get out of your car and you stand there in the middle of the road and you go, hold on a minute. And you wave your hands and like the guy from Hip and Steel like stops right in front of you like, what's this guy doing? All the cars backing up behind. That, that's what this story is. The dude was in a coffin. They were about to bury him in the ground, yet Jesus stopped the procession and touched the coffin. Could you imagine what the guy from Hip and Steel or Solar Baker or whatever, you think, what would that guy say if you're standing in the middle of the road? He may gun it and run you over, and there may have to be a different resurrection that goes on. And you don't do this unless you're led by the Spirit of God, of course. But, this, I mean, that is, that is, that is, we, we know that this guy in this, in this, in this white, in this white coach, he's not going to get out of that box. If I'm standing here and I'm stopping him, I mean, that is like, this guy is, I mean, he's gone. They are putting him in the ground in just a few minutes. That's what, that's what this was like. But Jesus walked over, touched the coffin, and he said, young man, I tell you to get up. And then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. That would freak out the driver and everybody else in the procession. They all came to mourn this person. Now they can all do what? Celebrate the new life that was given. Don't mourn who you used to be. Celebrate who God made you to be. So you're not dead if you're alive unto Christ. Who you were is passed away. You might have come in here in a coffin, but I speak to you today, come alive. The power of God, the anointing of the living Christ, it can change your life, and we don't have to mourn anymore for he who was dead, but we get to rejoice for he who is alive. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. There's an old author and it's from the 18, late 1800s, early 1900s. And his name is James Allen. And he wrote a book. And the book that he wrote is based on that scripture. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. He says, as he thinks, so he is. But as he continues to think, so he remains. That it's not just the fact that we think when we walk out of these doors that we're victorious, right? We say we want to know a few things before we leave here today. We want to know that, that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe it. I believe He's the Son of God, that He's the Christ, that He died on the cross for me. I believe that He won a victory and brought the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and He sat at the right hand of the Father, and then He gave them to me. See, I believe that. I believe it. I receive it. As I think, so I am. I believe that I'm saved. There is no card you're going to get that says you are saved that came from from heaven UPS it is going to be something on the inside of you that bears witness with God's spirit that says you are saved if you know that today before you leave this place praise God but if you don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today you would go and be with him and the only way to go and be with him is to acknowledge the fact that he is the son of God and to believe it in your heart I am telling you you're in trouble but if you can change your mind, if you can change your thought, listen, this all starts from the inside out. You may say, well, I've, I've been saved for a week, man, nothing's happened. Yep, get saved, keep, 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 keep walking, be saved for a year, be saved for two years, be saved for ten years, and watch that victory on the inside of you begin to come out. In this book that he wrote, which is called As a Man Thinks, he says the outer condition of a person's life will always be found to be harmoniously related to his inner state. The outside condition of a person's life will always be found to be harmoniously related to his inner state. Men do not attract that which they want. 
but they attract that which they are. You are a winner. Do you believe it? Beyond a shadow of a doubt, do you believe it? The world has tried to beat winning out of you since you were young. The world has told you that you can't be, you couldn't be, you wouldn't be. The world has told you that because of what you have done, you never have another chance, and you'll be lucky just to squeeze in to the gates of the gates of heaven. You'll be lucky to see St. Peter and maybe have your name in that book, and you might get in. I'm telling you, there's a better way to live your life than just hoping and praying. You practice winning. You think winning. The situation that's coming against you, do you see yourself winning? Do you see yourself the victor? Do you see yourself on the other side? We do not give enough, we do not give enough credit and credit and credence to this scripture that says, as you think in your heart, so are you. And as you continue, this is man's words, not the Bible, but as you continue or remain to think, therefore you remain. You might have walked with God for a lot of years, but you began to change what you think and you fell away. You know what's so easy? Change what you think again and come back home. I want to show you this last clip that talks about the power of belief in the life of some folks. And then we'll pray. North Carolina State. Jim Valvano said, I believe in dreams. He feels they're a team of destiny. We have one practice every year where they come up on a court. There's no balls. There's no drills. All we do is practice cutting the net down. It's true. I have a scissor. I have a gold scissor. They can, we carry each other up and cut the net. They hook me up. I cut the last one. We do that. 52 all. This is for the national championship. That's my dream. Cutting the nets down. And I am going to dream my dream. Yeah. Got a drive to the basket. It's down to seven seconds. You can see the time. Wittenberg. Oh, it's a long way. Oh! They won it. On the dunk. Every single day in every walk of life, ordinary people do extraordinary things. Ordinary people accomplish extraordinary things. Do you practice? Do you practice winning? Do you practice cutting down the nets? I'm telling you, we're all ordinary. But with God in you, you're extraordinary. And ordinary people end up doing extraordinary things. Miracles do happen. Things come out of left field at the last moment, at the last hour. But I'm telling you what, without Jesus in your life, you don't have any hope. We do not have this victory. We do not have this life because we come to a good church. We don't have this victory and we don't have this life because our family goes to a good church or our family has said a prayer. We have this victory and we have this life because each one of us have, as individuals have made a decision to believe. I just ask you today, why don't we stand up and let's pray. John 3, 16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever should believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It goes on and says, God did not send him into the world to condemn the world. He sent Jesus into this world that we all might be saved. 
part one. Just close your eyes right now, just in your own place and in your own time. Part one of what we said in the very beginning that we wanted to come to the conclusion of was, I believe that he's the Son of God. If you're here today and you you have not made that commitment, you have not made that change, you have not made that thought, you have not said, Father, I know that Jesus is your Son. If today is your day to make that change, what we say many times is come into relationship with him. You may have heard somebody say, get saved, get born again, all of those things. Really what it is, is it's an acknowledging of who he is, the Son of God, an acknowledging that he died on the cross for you, and a receiving him in your life as your Lord and as your Savior. There's no victory past that. All the things that we've talked about, they they start there. That is the first victory and the first choice and the first thing that you've got to believe. And it starts with your head, your thoughts, and it comes out your mouth with a confession. And if you're here today and you'd say, you know what? I want to do that today. I want to to make a confession of faith. I want, you know what? Today is my day to be born again. Today is a day for me to receive Jesus. I want that victory that he has for my life. I've never walked down that path before, but today I want to. Just raise your hand right where you are. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and his gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus, and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.